Hello, everyone. Welcome in to episode 19 of the Canucks Speakeasy podcast. I'm Pete. And I'm Doug. And Doug, we got a, we got a great show coming up. It's, it's Christmas, which means World Juniors. I'm pretty stoked to get to talk about prospects and juniors again here. Yeah, uh, we got a couple of great guests coming up on the show. Um, looking forward to a deep dive on the prospects. Um, and yeah, uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas. We have uh, joining us today from Nux Misconduct. We have Rob Jandel and Daniel G. Uh, they both put out excellent content on Twitter and are great follows, great resources for the Canucks. We're really stoked to have them on to talk the Canucks prospects, the World Juniors, and some of the Canucks playing over in the Juniors as well. Yeah, definitely looking forward to hearing a little bit about uh, some of the potential uh, draft picks uh, this year and uh, the, pl- the Canucks prospects that are going to be playing in the World Juniors. Uh, looking forward to those conversations. Uh, you all ready for Christmas, Pete? Uh, yeah, I am. Nice. <laughs> hey, I, went to, I went to Amazon and the liquor store. All my shopping was done. Nice. Um, nice. Anyways, you can follow us, uh, the Canucks Speakeasy podcast on Twitter. That's Canucks Speak. You can follow myself on Twitter at Pete underscore Gas. And give me a follow at Doug Venn. That's V-E-N-N. And also give our Spotify playlist a listen. Uh, we're building a continuous playlist from the outro tracks we use in every episode. So it's just Connect Speakeasy on Spotify. Uh, we've made an actual account, so yeah, give us a follow on there. Check out the funky, groovy tunes we got playing for you. And uh, yeah, should we just jump into this week's topics, Pete? Yeah, well, f- first of all, it was a good week. We went two and one. Uh, we had a, a decent game against Montreal, but just didn't get some bounces. But it was nice to see us exercise a couple of demons, getting back-to-back wins against Vegas and Pittsburgh, two teams that have notoriously been trouble for us. We have still never gotten a regulation win against Vegas. Uh, yeah, it, it was pretty crazy, actually. Vegas, for whatever reason, I still remember like that first preseason game when Vegas first came in the league, and I think they romped us like 6-1 or 6-2, and I don't think anyone thought Vegas was potentially going to be as good as they were, and then just ever since then, for whatever reason, Vegas has just had our number. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a good win. Uh, the Canucks did give up kind of a couple of goals late, which obviously forced the game to go to overtime, which was a little bit concerning, but... We still got the two points in the end, and we're probably not going to catch Vegas for the the lead in the Pacific Division. Um, but, yeah, I'll take the two points for sure. We definitely needed it. And then, like you said, Pittsburgh was another team that, for whatever reason, they seem to always have our number. I was doing a little bit of deep dive in Pete and uh, looking kind of at the Canucks' longest win streak of the season. And our longest win streak of the season was a total of four games Going back from October 9th, which was our first win of the year against the LA Kings, and then the fourth game in that kind of uh, clip was against the San Luis Blues, which we won 4-3 in a shootout. That's our longest win streak of the season. Since then, we've had one three-game win streak, and other than that, they've just been two-game win streaks. So tonight, uh, again, we're recording this on Monday, December 23rd. Uh, so there is a Canuck game tonight. Um, but yeah, after the two big wins against uh, the Golden Knights and Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, I think this hopefully could be the start of the Canucks trying to kind of uh, get together a bunch of wins. From what I understand as well, this game against Edmonton, this is already our last game of the season against the Oilers. Is that what I what I saw? This is it. We're done with the Oilers until unless we meet in the postseason. Really? Yeah, it's well, we, it feels like we played them a lot already, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess, how many times do we play teams in our division? I don't know. I, I, as long as it's not seven or eight or whatever it was after that lockout, uh, I'm happy with it. And at least as long as we get to see every team come to town at least once. But, yeah, so three-game win streak, uh, it, it does seem like ever since I remember that four in a row because we got off to that kind of cold start and I was, we were at that L.A. game and it, Canucks got hot again. We were all high and optimistic for most of October. And then the rest of November kind of kicked in and December kicked in and reality is set back in. And I think the Canucks are somewhere in between that four-game winning streak and certainly better than what they performed in November. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people are, especially because the Canucks have been struggling the last month and a half or so, a lot of people kind of like clamoring again, you know, hating on the team and, you know, calling for Benning's job. There was, you know, some chatter about, you know, Green as a coach. But, you know, when I look at the roster, I honestly think this team is a good team. Like, for whatever reason, you know, balances aren't going their way or they're running into hot goalies, which for whatever reason always seems to be the case for the Canucks. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I think the team on paper is a good team, top to bottom. They do have decent depth. You know, could their third line have a little bit more skill and someone who could potentially, you know, be a little bit more consistent in scoring goals? Sure. Although one guy I know you want to talk about is uh, Shotgun Jake. Yeah, for sure. And first of all, uh, my, my thing with the Canucks, first of all, is injuries. I think that's played a major part. And I, I definitely want to talk about Shotgun in, in the third line as well. But let's just kind of take a look at all the movement going on with, with the roster. You see Ed, Alex Edler is coming back. I'm a, I'm a big Alex Edler fan. I know a lot of people have been shitting on him a bit online for whatever unbeknownst reason. The guy's one of the, if not the best defensemen in, in team history. He's a warrior, and he does things, everything well. I think what frustrates fans is that he's leading the team in average ice time, and he gets hurt a lot. And I think people are saying, well, why is Edler out there doing both special teams? And we've talked about this. We talked about this a lot with Jenna last week, is why don't they manage Edler's workload more? And, and that's I agree with that. I think they need to do that more, especially with him coming in. Jamie, uh, Jamie, I always call him Jamie Ben. Jordy Ben gets the out, uh, which is not a testament to Ben playing poorly. It's just a testament to how well Oscar Fantenberg's played. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the debate would be, do you pull Stetcher out? I think that would cause uh, all sorts of problems in this fan base right now. And, and Stetcher may get the hook, depending on what what happens. Uh, he, ben, J- Jordy Ben is being certainly deserving of his playing time oscar fantenberg has as well so it's really i wouldn't be surprised if stetcher comes out but for now right before christmas we don't want that twitter storm erupting and i agree with you i think uh it's more of how well fantenberg's been playing than an indictment on ben and i think uh you know ben has been i think who we thought he was you know he's been a solid guy He's, you know, fairly sound defensively. He's been decent on the penalty kill. He's not a guy that's going to put up a lot of points. You don't really notice him most games, which is probably a good thing. Um, and, and I don't think he's played terrible, but I just think Fantenberg's been really good. And the other thing I've noticed about Fantenberg that I didn't expect, he's actually a lot more physical than I expected him to be. Yeah, he's been, he's been great. And, and, and Ben has been playing well. And I would not be surprised, like I said, if... If this is just a one-game thing and Stetcher gets uh, bounced back out, maybe they rotate between Stetcher, Ben, and uh, Fattenberg until someone gets hurt again, which, as we know, is quite likely to happen. With all this as well, Chatfield gets sent down. He had his cup of coffee kind of doing uh, what, I guess, Breezeball was doing before and uh, not playing with the team, but there in case of an emergency. And, of course, the big news this week really hurts is my boy Josh Levo going down. 
Yeah, I know there's a lot of people who are saying that, you know, it was kind of a shame. You know, there was no penalty on the call. Apparently, player safety did look at the hit, and they didn't deem it, you know, suspendable, which, again, I just don't get it. I don't get it either. And you got to feel bad for Levo. He was putting up, you know, a great season, you know, for a guy who's predominantly a third-line player. He's going to be a UFA at the end of this year. you got to figure that's going to hurt his chances at a a long-term contract, at least, coming into the 2020 uh, free agency. So, yeah, you really feel sorry for the guy. He's probably not going to be back with the team. I know they said two to three months. Yeah. Most people are saying probably closer to three months. Yeah, yeah I've heard that too from what uh, what I've read about that injury and in, in comparables. Uh, you know, if that's the case, three months from now, it puts you right in the final playoff push. So he, he would be a welcome body to get back into the roster. Frees up some ice time for some other guys as well. Uh, a few other comings and going. Uh, just announced that Thatcher Demko is back with the team, and Brandon Sutter is out. Yeah, it's the constant shuffle, right? You know, one guy gets healthy, and then the other guy gets put on IR. Um, I'm glad to see Demko's back. Uh, I guess that would mean that the Canucks have officially sent DiPietro back to Utica. I haven't seen anything saying that yet, but I would assume if they've took him off the IR that that means DiPietro has been sent back down yeah I'd assume so as well I, I haven't seen anything either but all this news is kind of breaking mid late afternoon Monday just before we were recording but geez it's just uh it's just an up and down and up and down of Canucks roster players Michael Furland is still in the mix there too well he was uh, apparently skating with mm-hmm. the team but I think he's still in a non-contact jersey yeah and and skating in that situation he could be back uh after Christmas or he could be back in February or he could be back in October we just don't know with that situation so yeah a lot of shuffling for me that's that's a part of why we haven't won more than two in a row once since that opening stretch uh i think uh, as well just uh, we've had some power play struggles we've had some scoring struggles but lately let this now takes us back to our third line i've been really impressed with jake Fortanen lately yeah i mean jake i here's the thing is I remember Jake's scouting report, and a lot of people said he had this amazing shot, like he could just wire the puck. And some of his highlights when he played for the Calgary Hitmen, you saw him be able to wire the puck. And then I believe it was his draft plus one year, he ended up getting shoulder surgery, or maybe it was the same year as his draft year. He got shoulder surgery. Um, And so, I don't know, I've never really seen Jake blast the puck like the other night, though. The last game against Pittsburgh Saturday night, that power play goal. Looked like Pedersen. Dude. And, like, I've, I've been waiting to see that shot from Jake. Because yeah. you keep hearing, oh, Jake's got this great shot, but you never really see it. And then when he does take a shot, it's usually just trying to get it on net or it's completely wide. Um, I've always been critical of Jake. I think, uh, you know, um, I still think that, you know, there is potential there. And some players, it does take a little bit longer for them to kind of hit their stride or hit their potential. Is Jake ever going to be the value of a six overall pick? Probably not. But... You know, if he can be consistent, and that's always been my biggest knock with Jake, is just the lack of consistency. If he can be a consistent guy who can chip in a goal every third or fourth game and, you know, be a guy hard to play against for the other team, uh, I definitely think, yeah, he could prove me wrong as a guy who I've always wanted to kind of trade and try to get, you know, whatever value you can for him. Well, it's interesting to see that you put him on a big line. You put him with uh, in positions to score and positions to succeed, what he can do. And maybe this is something that the Canucks need to look at is getting him into the top six a bit more. Maybe there there is a spot for him. He looked good on the power play unit as well. 
And with Adam Gaudet, who's another guy who I just just continues to impress me. Yeah, Gaudet, Gaudet to me is, has been kind of the straw that stirs the drink, so to speak. Now, I know they've kind of bounced Jake up on Bo's line, and Bo's kind of been struggling. And they put him back in the third line, and he played a little bit with Petey and Miller when they had moved uh, Besser down. Um, but uh, I definitely think Gaudet, Gaudet overall has just played good. You know, his defensive game has gotten better. He off the rush you know he's a guy who just seems to you know drive the puck deeper in the offensive zone and you know he, he's making plays sometimes I think he's trying to make plays before hit you know before his uh, skates kind of catch up to where he's trying to you know his mind's trying to get the puck to um, but yeah with Jake I think the key for me with him is if he can if he can stay consistent yeah. you know he's always been a guy that's been a little streaky and I think if he can stay consistent and I've also always said this, that he always plays with the talent he's playing with. So he plays up or down to the guy, to his line mates. The other thing I found interesting, a little stat I heard on the radio, in Jake's, Jake Bertanen's career going into this season, I believe he had two power play goals. He's already got two or yeah, three power got, play goals this he's year. He's got two this year so, already. Yeah, he's getting a chance on the second unit power play, which he's never really had. He didn't really get that chance when Willie was here, and he's never really gotten that chance since Green's been the coach. So that's a good sign as well. Well, currently, Jake Vertanen right now is on pace for a 44-point season and 22 goals, and that would be career highs for him uh, by quite a bit. And Adam Gaudet is currently, when you factor in the games that he didn't play, is on pace for 43 points and 19 goals. He has a higher point per game, but he's already uh, missed, I believe it's, uh, what is it, like uh, 10 games already he didn't play in or something like that. Uh, so he's, uh, yeah, 10 games. So they both could be mid-40-point players. And if all of a sudden you add two guys of that age into the mix who are doing that right now, I think that's incredibly optimistic. Uh, and just watching the way they play there lately, they're passing the eye test with me. And I also want to go back to what you're saying about Brock Besser. I think this fan market is being a little hard on the guy. Brock is second on the team in points. He's second on the team in assists. He's third on the team in goals. He has the most shots on the team. He's only four points behind Pedersen. Uh, he's got one more point than JT Miller. I think that Brock Besser, he may not be as noticeable, but... He is still getting stuff done out there. Yeah, I, I think the thing that a lot of fans, myself included, is just Brock, he's putting up the points. So, like, you know, the points don't lie. But he just doesn't look as confident when he has the puck. It looks like he's taking that extra second to kind of, you know, get his shot off. And he's, I don't know, he just doesn't look as smooth about, you know, making plays. It's kind of like he second guesses himself. But then all of a sudden, it's like, in that same game, you'll see him all of a sudden, it's like, I don't know, a fire's been let under his ass. And all of a sudden, he's out there and he's making plays and he's creating offense and, you know, he's getting all these chances. I just, I don't know what it is with Brock lately. I mean, I agree. He, if you look at the overlying numbers, he's on pace for a career year, points-wise, goal-wise. But he just doesn't look the same as he has in previous years, for whatever reason. I think a part of it as well is he's playing with some very creative players, and, and he is a creative player himself, but he's got two creative players out there in Pedersen and Hughes who generally look pass first. And what I think Bo uh, Bosser, Besser, geez, I can't talk today. Must be the eggnog. Uh, what I think Besser 
needs to remember now is he is the sniper of this unit and he needs to be selfish. He needs to shoot. I agree. And just that's what they I think the Canucks should be telling him is like, look, man, you can go Cy Young on it. You you need to be the shooter on here. The fact that he's second on the team in assists is is great, but he needs to be the type he's the type of guy who needs to lead the lead the team in goals. And I want to see him make a charge right now and uh and get into the the team lead. What's nice is if he picks it up a, a little, which I think, uh, like just we're talking a smidge, Canucks could have three three thirty goalmen this season uh, with Pedersen, Besser, and Miller. If they all stay healthy, they're all pacing for thirty plus campaigns. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you. Like I think he's on pace to get close to thirty goals this year. Um, but that's the thing is like even on the power play, like the first unit power play, like. Besser's not even shooting from that side anymore. You know, I don't remember the last time he's actually shot from from the left side on the power play. He's usually it's always Petey shooting from the right side or JT Miller banging in a rebound or getting in front of the net for a tip. I, I don't remember the last time Besser scored a goal from his, you know, from his office, so to speak, uh, on the power play. And snake bitten on the breakaways as well. Yeah, well. You know, he's never a great breakaway guy. But, yeah, you're right. He has been snake-bitten there. But, you know, the fact that he is still producing the amount of points he is is a good sign, and it goes to show how skilled this guy is. I do think he is lacking a little bit of confidence. And when he kind of gets his confidence back, you know what I mean, like fully, and he's, you know, not a f- taking that extra second to shoot the puck, uh, I definitely think you'll see a spike in his in his goals and his assists. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, I don't disagree with that. Uh, but I just wanted to point out that I think uh, I think Besser is he may not be always passing the eye test, but he's he is playing well. Just a couple of more quick things before we get to our interviews here. Uh, Elias Anderson, New York Rangers, 2017 seventh overall pick. He wants out. His numbers haven't been there. He's had 17 games with the Rangers this year. He has one assist with the Wolfpack. He's had Five points in 13 games. That's still one of my favorite AHL team names is the Hartford Wolfpack. Um, he had 20 and 36 with the Wolfpack last year, so he can do it. He wants out. What do you think about the Canucks going for him? Uh, I mean, I guess the, I like I, – look, he's still a young prospect. I know him and Petey are friends. Uh, my only concern with Elias Anderson is where does he fit? You know, is he a third liner? Um and for whatever reason, I know plus minus a lot of people like just shake their heads because it's it's an old stat that isn't as relevant as it once was, or was it even relevant? Some people would argue, but he's one of the worst plus minus players in all of the AHL uh, this year and I believe last year. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know, and I know I don't hold it against the guy. I mean, he was a kid, but you know, a lot of people still hold you know him throwing his silver medal into the audience at the World Juniors that year. Um, but he's a kid that plays with a lot of passion. Uh, he obviously doesn't, you know, the Rangers, his trade value can't be that high, but you would got to assume the Rangers would want to try to hold on to him for as long as they can to boost up his trade value. I mean, I don't know if Goldobin and maybe something else would get it done, but then where does he play? Well, I think it's some, if you could do something like that, I think it's worth, worth a risk. Uh, you could get him into Utica for a bit. If you did a move like... Goldobin, because you're swatch, swapping AHL players. So if there's something along those lines, for sure. I, I'm I'm interested in him. Uh, I Again, if the price is right, though. I, I don't necessarily think he's a game changer, but it would be an interesting person to get. He's a combined, though, since the start of the 2018 season, a minus 54, and he has 12 goals. 
in combined between the NHL and AHL. So talk about buying low, could be a buy low. Maybe, maybe you swap gold open. Maybe the Rangers want Berchi. I don't know. You could find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of player. You bring him in if it's for low cost. Sure, but the Rangers, this is a first-round pick, a top-10 pick from two years ago. I think the Rangers are going to want more. Yeah. And the last thing, I know you really wanted to touch on this, and I think it's worth it as well, and it kind of leads nicely into all our talk of the prospects for the rest of the episode here. Brogan Rafferty. Yeah, he's been unbelievable uh, for the Utica Comets at the moment. Um, So after 31 games, uh, he has four goals, 25 assists, and a plus 17 rating. And again, I know most people say that, you know, that doesn't mean anything. He's first among all AHL defensemen in points and leads the league in plus minus. One thing that some people brought up is Rafferty, before the last Comets game, was tied for the AHL lead in points. Uh, he was tied with Derek Pouliot. Mm-hmm. And we all know Derek Pouliot. We're all synonymous with Derek Pouliot uh, in this market. Um, the difference being, Rafferty was a plus 16. Pouliot was like a minus 8. And again, I know I've just talked about how the plus minus is kind of an old stat that isn't as relevant. But still, that goes to show how many times Pouliot's on the ice for goals against, right? Mm-hmm. And Rafferty's obviously a plus player, so he's on the goal more often or not for goals for as opposed to goals against. Yeah, he's actually second in the AHL in plus minus. Uh, Dizan Mayo has a plus 25, uh, which is just just killing it. But a few other things with uh, Brogan Rafferty. Uh, Reed Boucher is actually leading the AHL in scoring, which is also worth a note. But overall scoring in the AHL right now, Brogan Rafferty is tied for sixth. That's insane. That's which is which is crazy. I mean, he's just all of a sudden popped right up. He's got 29 points. He's tied with he's the highest scoring defenseman by by four points over Derek Pouliot. But you got Reed Boucher right at the top of the food chain there, and then sitting in a tie for sixth is Brogan Rafferty, and then right behind him in a tie for tenth is Nikolai Goldobin, and then in a tie for twelfth is Sven Berchi. So can I accept four of the top? 12 scorers in the AHL right now. But Brogan Rafferty, the way he has just picked it up right now, it is, it's unbelievable. Now, the one thing I am a little bit scared about is I believe he's a UFA at the end of this year. So, I don't know, there's been chatter whether or not the Canucks are going to feel like their hand is forced to, to call him up earlier than they might want to. No, he's got one more year and then he's RFA after that. Does he? Okay, because yeah. I thought because he was a college free agent and he was as old as he was that he actually gets to free agency a lot quicker. I, I, I could believe be wrong, he uh, signed a, a new deal, though, in the offseason, okay. uh, which oh, he that... signed a two-year deal after his initial You're right, deal. you're right, because he signed that deal last year, which was a one-year deal, which essentially yeah. was just for two months. Which made him RFA, but That's because right. he was offered a two-year deal by the Canucks, he remains RFA uh, at the end of that. We Again, it's one of the things with these NCAA rules, but he's signed for this year and next uh, low-cap hit. I think the Canucks right now want to keep him playing as much as he can. I would not be angry if he played all season in Utica. Uh, Ole Olevi's starting to get some time down there too. We got a we got a lot of good blue liners right now, but there's literally no reason to rush Olevi and Rafferty. And I think Canucks fans, if you see Chatfield or Breezebach coming up or, or even Tevez or someone, that's okay. It's not the end of the world. I think it's the best interest for Rafferty and Olevi right now to just play as much as they can down in Utica. Yeah, I agree. Let's uh, get into our first interview. Right on. Sounds good. 
And joining us now is Rob, also known as Canucks Abby Fan Two on Twitter. Uh, you can give him a follow at Fan Two Abby. Uh, thanks for joining us, Rob. Well, thanks for having me back. I know the last time we spoke, the Canucks were zero and two, and Canucks Nation thought they were going to finish zero and eighty-two. So. Glad <laughs> you're our first ever repeat guest, and since we last talked to you, you're also now writing for Nux Misconduct. Yes, uh, Trevor Begs over there asked me to, to take a shot at it, and I really enjoyed it. And, uh, I'm writing maybe, maybe maybe too much, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, some great articles uh, you've written for Canucks Misconduct so far. Uh, but let's uh, jump into the World Juniors. And uh, one person I think most Canuck fans want to talk about is Jet Wu and the snub he got from Team Canada. Yeah, I mean, as a Canucks fan, I, I'm, 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 I might not watch any Team Canada games at all. I mean, uh, um, uh, that's a little too drastic. I think what's happened with Wu, though, is that uh, I think he's probably fallen into that uh, Jake Vertanen stage where this year he's probably too good for to junior and he probably shouldn't be in the AHL. He's not good enough for the NHL type of thing. But yeah. I was looking at him and comparing to, to Bo and Byram, of course, everybody agrees that he's a terrific defenseman taking fourth overall. If you look at their numbers last year, just an, and Byram is a year younger, but uh, last year Byron put up 71 points in 67 regular season games for the Giants, who were a better team. And uh, for Moose Job, Jet actually put up 66 points in 52 games, which was marginally a, a little bit better. So they're very comparable in that uh, Jet was with the 12 goals and, and Byron was with 26 goals. So there's a big difference there. But of course, if I asked you right now who has more goals this year, what would you say? I would assume it would be Bo and Byram. Yeah, and if you look at it, uh, Bowen's played 27 games. He's got three goals. And Jet's played 30. He's got four. And I mean, granted, he hasn't had much more, but it's not like there's some... Uh, that, that surprised me when I found that stat today because I was sort of you know, looking at, again, Jet Wu looking going to the juniors and why he wasn't chosen. But again, granted, with Canada, I mean, you can put two teams there in, the, in, in that tournament. They could win gold and silver in the same tournament type of idea. But uh, And the other interesting thing, uh, they were comparable, and Jet, Jet's actually got 16 points in 30 games, and, and Bowen right now has 19 points in 27 games. So, again, that's very, very comparable as well. And that sort of got me thinking of Kel McCarr and, and Quinn Hughes in the sense that, uh, again, in that case, McCarr is a, a year older than Hughes, and uh, yeah, but uh, McCarr is more of the goal scorer and uh, Hughes is more of the more of the assist guy. But I was thinking of that that comparison. And I, if I'm a Canucks fan, I'm not running off Jet Wu quite yet. I'm I'm disappointed he's not playing for Team Canada, but I, I still see him as a as a as a likely top four uh, future Canucks. Do you think uh, Wu's adjustment uh, to playing for the Calgary Hitmen uh, last year, like you said, he played for Moose Jaw Warriors. Do you think that's kind of why his point production's a little bit down this year compared to last year? Well, that, that's part of it. Always that new team will you know, do that to you. He's also coming off an injury. I know when I, when I watched him at uh, the Canucks development camp in, in June, I ran across him and uh, a fellow by the name of Ole Levy, who you've heard about, <laughs> and uh, the old coach. I just uh, went to one of the other rinks there at, at uh, UBC just by chance, and the skills coach was working them both out, two of them together. When you see Ulevi and Wu up 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 close, it's, 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 there's there's that uh, width that you see in a defense that can skate and play hockey. And of course, they were both coming off injuries. Ulevi was closer uh, uh, to his injury, but Wu himself had the entire summer basically spent recovering from that permanent injury. So I think that's part of it too. You get off to a slow start. Again, I, I'm disappointed he's not there. I really thought he would be there. I, I didn't think Carson Paul would make it just because there's so much offensive talent uh, in forwards, but uh, I'm a bit disappointed that Jack's not there. So when Canada plays the U.S. on Boxing Day, I'll be watching.
watching Hogwander. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, I've already looked at that, and uh, it's hard for me not to watch Canada USA, but I'll have to have the two TVs going. Um, let's let's talk about Tony Uten, and he's back with the Finnish team. Uh, he scored the goal last year that eliminated Canada here in Vancouver. What's Tony Uten in season been like so far? Um, he was good. He was also a good start. He was in the Champions Hockey League, which is sort of like a, a year-long tournament uh, that's run like just prior to the season starting in Europe, and then they take a break for it and it sort of runs the whole time until your team falls out. So what I was looking for him more from this year was to get a bit more offense out of him, and that hasn't quite happened yet. So, um, but he's still, he's still a young guy, and I'd like to see him come over to, to, to Utica and do a year here and see how he performs. But the, the offense is the one thing that concerns me. But he's the type of guy that, again, I think he's been picked again to be an assistant captain. He's always picked as a captain or assistant captain on whatever international team he's on or and uh, any any team where he's uh, one of his peers, they, they choose him as a captain or assistant captain. Yeah, he doesn't have any goals on the season yet, but he's matched his point total from last year, which is all of three points. But I know that's not really his game is an offensive style he's he's more of a kind of your, your prototypical stay-at-home finnish defenseman in a lot of ways isn't he yeah i've, I've in the past said he reminded me of, of dan hanky um the, the guy that's currently on the connect that he reminds me a bit of is, is oscar fansenberg not in the, the body side and that sort of thing but just the way fansenberg sort of come in there and he's basically uh, looks like he's taking uh jordy ben's spot right now just by by being that solid guy that the coach relies upon and not a lot of offense there, but he always gets the puck out, and he plays physical enough, and and he can kill penalties, and he's that type of defense, but he's that, and he's got that character as well, where that combination. I see, I could see him as an NHL uh, third pairing defenseman, and being like, if there's such a thing as an elite third third uh, pairing defense, and I don't know if there is, but uh, that's what I would see him as. If his offense comes comes aboard, too, he can always move into the top four because he's that good defensively. I don't think there's ever been an elite third-pairing defenseman because no one would even notice that they're out there. Is that Tori Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Um, hopping across to Scandinavia there, one of our big boys, Niels Hoglander, is on a pretty loaded Team Sweden this year. They've got a lot of fun players. I think, I think they're going to be one of the more fun teams to watch. They've got two guys who are going to go very high in next year's draft. How do you see Hoglander fitting in with this team? Is he going to be top top line minutes or is he going to be kind of as being a first timer on the team is he going to be used more in the bottom do you think uh, well so far there's been a couple of games uh, we uh, uh, call pre-tournament games we call them exhibition games and he's, he's not playing on the first line he's first line left winger uh, he had two goals in, in the one game that they won five to one and uh, he had an assist in the other game so i mean he's, he's going to be a leader on this team I, i'm I'm really excited about him. I think he might be, uh, um, he's certainly potentially the, the best player that could, could be in the tournament, assuming that everything goes well for Sweden. But he's just such an exciting player to watch. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of excited by him and, of course, the American uh, Tyler Madden. I, I, I can foresee them playing with, uh, with Elias Patterson on a quick become a magical line someday. Yeah, I read your article on Nux Misconduct, and I was going to actually ask about that, is realistically, what year do you think that, could happen where all these guys are on the team together. Do you think we'll see the either of those players lace up for the Canucks in 2020, or are we looking more realistically at 2021? Well, I'm thinking. I don't think Tyler Madden's going to go back for another, another year. He's really he's really ripping it up. Um, I mean, he's just looking. He, he's basically aced the NCAA uh, league right now. I think so. Going back, I don't think he's going to be. Uh, he'd be stuck in the league that he's probably too good for now. He might be one of the best picks that's ever made. So I, I could see him 
uh, once the season's over this year, join the Connect perhaps in March, April, depending on when the season ends. I mean, if they go to the uh, the uh, Frozen Four, of course, that could be after the Connects are already done. Um, um, so I, I think he's, he's aiming to make the team uh, next next uh, September, October. I know whether he makes it or not. It's a different, this different situation. But I don't, I don't see him going back to school for another year. Uh. Another player playing in the NCAA that uh, unfortunately didn't make Team USA, but I think a lot of Canucks fans are very excited about, is Jack Rathbone. Uh, how's he been doing so far? In well, he's a point that he's a point to game defenseman this year. Um, so that's, he's got three goals and seven assists, ten points the last time I checked, and I don't think he's played since them as they cut call seasons over for Christmas. Um, he's uh, again. He's. I mean, that's, for me, if I find if you ask me and said. Who do I think is better at this point, Olio Levy or Jack Rathbone? I would take Jack, Jack Rathbone. Yeah, it's um, I, I I've always liked Rathbone. I think he's uh, he's a good pick, but again, if it's a if it's four years away, it that's not really the end of the world with the Canucks. They have a bit of a logjam at at D for the next couple of years, I think. Anyways, I guess the real concern though, like losing him as a UFA after that. Yeah, I mean, like Adam Gaudet, he's a, he's a Boston Bruins fan, right? So, yeah, you might want to play Boston, that sort of thing. Or you might want to be close to his family and his brother. I mean, that, that's the, the, the downside of maybe coming out this way. But he's the type of guy that, again, he should probably, uh, what the Canucks would want probably for him would be to, to uh, try out to, well, come to training camp, but probably end up in Utica for at least one year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the one thing that I'm a little bit concerned about him is the fact that he would want to stay close to his family on the East Coast due to his brother's... Uh, diagnosis with autism um, moving on though a guy that I think most Canuck fans are really excited to see at this year's World Juniors is uh, Vasily Podkolzin uh, he's kind of had an, a bounced up and down different leagues in Russia this year I know he played in the Russia Canada Summit Series or, or not Summit Series but uh, Super Series Super Series thank you uh, yeah. how's uh, Podkolzin look this year and uh, are Russia a team to potentially uh, be in the mix for a gold medal. Yeah, they, they have a very, very powerful team. Um, he's actually playing in a line with the, uh, he, his uh, KHL team is, is SKA, SKA, and I guess they, they have SKA Neva, N-E-V-A, which is their sort of, their VHL team, which is like an AHL team. And they also have SKA 1946, which is like their junior team. It's, it's a different situation over there. Everybody's with SKA, so it's hard to sometimes figure that out. But uh, his line mates uh, right now, they're the third line for Russia, but they, essentially Russia has three first lines in a lot of ways, you could argue. But it's these two line mates, um, um, Ivan Morozov and uh, Kirill Marchenko. That's a, that's a good line. He, he's playing with those guys. They're, they're second-round picks. They're a year older than him. They, I think uh, Marchenko was taken by Columbus, and the, I think the Golden Knights uh, had Morozov. Um those are his line mates, and they're, they're, they had a game earlier. I think uh, he had he had three assists in, in the one exhibition game, and, and he, actually he had a goal and assist today in a 9-1 game. Now those those were against Kazakhstan and Slovakia, so the opposition wasn't quite uh, quite too tough yet. So, but uh, that line they're, they're all in that same system where they get bounced around from those those three types of uh, three uh, three levels of hockey. And, uh, and again, I, I, I wrote about that too, where the Russians, this is a little bit different Russia in the last maybe, maybe 10 years, where the, the, they have control of the player. And maybe, you know, back when we all talked about Jake Bertan, who's finally emerging. I mean, I, I personally given up on Jake Bertan. I didn't think he was going to emerge, and here he's, he's finally doing it. But what if in Jake's first year, the reason they didn't send him back to Calgary uh, was because um, they thought he was too good for that league? 
they knew he wasn't really ready for the NHL, but they could have sent him to the AHL. What if, you know, if, and during Jake's year, they could have sent him to Calgary and sent him also to Utica and, and to Vancouver at will, maybe, you know, in Calgary building up his confidence to give him a reality check in the NHL and, and teaching him in the AHL. It might not be a bad, might have been a system where Jake would have uh, emerged even quicker. Do Canucks fans need to be concerned about the lack of goals that Pod Carlson has since being drafted? I well, I, I, I love goals too, and I, I, there's a little bit of concern. I, I mean, I have to admit, you can't you can't ignore it. Um, but the way he plays, so you just you just you just see him playing with two players, like like he's been doing the junior year with these two guys. It, if he's not scoring in this in this tournament with those linemates, then I'm gonna I'm going to be concerned. But one thing I learned about him though is. You can, I don't think you can think of him as a shooter. He's more an elite passer. If you ask me, is he more like Hendrick, uh, Hendrick Sedin or Daniel Sedin, I would say Hendrick Sedin. He's just a really great passer. So he might be one of those guys that, you know, he, he might be a 20-goal, 40-assist type of guy. Um, but I think this is this is a great chance here because he's in his peer group. He's, he's still on 18, so really, uh, even his linemen are a year older than him, but this is a great chance for him to, to show where he's really at. So I would get concerned if he doesn't really – have a good tournament here. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Like, he's definitely a guy from the limited amount of games I've seen him play. He definitely passes the eye test. And he's playing in a men's league and arguably the second best league in the world. And he's on a stacked team, so that team is looking to win the KHL championship at the moment. So he is a guy that has bounced around between, you know, different leagues this year. And he hasn't really had a chance to kind of just you know, get the minutes he needs and stay in one spot and kind of gain his confidence. But he's checking all the boxes as far as the play and the way he's driving the play on the offensive end. And I agree. I I will be disappointed if he doesn't have a great tournament. Uh, He should dominate this tournament, at least in my opinion. And I think most Canucks fans are hoping he does. Uh, And yeah, I guess time will tell. He's the type of guy that's going to, the smaller the ice service gets, the better he is. Because he's such a bull. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you look at him, they say 6'1", six, six, 195, but I guess there's yeah, this thing about big bone people, that people that have these big bones, that they're sometimes they're, they're, they're like a bowling ball or something, but he's that type of player where he just goes through you. He doesn't go around you. And uh, and I know, uh, you know, he always he always goes to the net, and he's, he's again, I think, I think he's an elite passer. So, you know, when he gets two, two teammates in the NHL, uh, NHL lineup, um, yeah, it's it's tough when you're bouncing between various leagues, and we, we got a, one other guy in the World Juniors this league. We have four skaters who's also bounced around a bit over in the Czech Republic, and I think a lot of Canucks fans forget about this guy or don't really know a lot about him. I know you've been a big advocate for Carol Plasic before as well. The Canucks did really well in the seventh round of last year's draft, getting him and Aiden McDonough. Kosmar was one of the last guys taken in the draft. Or sorry, pl- I'm getting my guys crossed over here. Plastic, I think, was the sixth round, if I remember correctly. And, um, yeah. I think they got McDonough and Cosmo in the seventh round. Yeah. Sorry, I get my guys crossed. I got my, my stats wrong here. But Plastic's... Yeah, I, the Canucks have so many, so, so many people in the pipeline. It's, it's not an easy <laughs> No, I know. But it was a, it was, he was another good late-round pick. And I, I don't think a lot of people really know a lot about Plastic. But uh, he's, he's good. we're going to get a good look at him this tournament. And what have you seen from this guy? Well, um, he's had a bit of a setback recently. He was he was actually set down to check the Czech league's uh, AHL level, and 
He hasn't. He's, he's a lot like Bob Golden right now, except from that he's playing the Czech Republic, and that he's he's probably too good for his age group, but uh, he's not quite ready for the pro leagues. And we're talking about Czech league, the first league there was Thomas Klanich. But Klanich is a Montreal, formerly of Montreal, is still playing there. So in these leagues, again, the, the the first level leagues, they're trying to win championships. They're not there to, to develop players. So, but what I see from him is that I guess when they when he was drafted, I, he's listed at like a hundred. 54 pounds, and when you actually see him play, though, you see that he's actually grown up. He's probably like more like six foot, six foot one, and he's probably 170, 75 pounds. Now you can see he's he's filled out. He's a heck of a skater. He's got a great shot. And mm-hmm. He seems to be defensively responsible already. Playing playing with, with the with the uh, uh, pro players and he's playing again. He's 18, 19 years old playing with the 30 year old guys and former NHLers, some of them. Um, so he's got he's again. He said he's a guy who's Sort of in the, again, we're almost back to Britannia again, and, and, and players like that are they're, they're too good for their peer group, but they're not quite ready for that, that next level, and you're trying to find the, the place for them to play. Yeah. He's, he's the type of guy that you can, I could see uh, uh, panning out as uh, the, sort of like a, a middle, middle forward in the NHL. I don't think Canucks fans are used to having Czech prospects. It, it happens very rarely with this team. And, and the last guy I wanted to talk to now is is about Arvid Kosmar, who was the late-round pick this year after Aiden McDonough and one of the last guys in the draft. And this is a guy that has lately been making a lot more waves, uh, and he's been really playing outstanding hockey in the Super Elite League over there. And you've mentioned that he could be a, a real steal for this team. What is it about Kosmar that really jumps out for you besides his offensive production? He's again. He's a guy that's defensively responsible. He's not a guy out there who's just going for goals and assists. He's somebody that's playing the game. He's, I guess, for his age, he's a you know he's a 200 foot player. Um, he probably should have been on Team Sweden this year if, if, if Team Sweden didn't have such a such a strong strong club. And he's only 18 years old, so I I, I I predict he'll be on Team Sweden at the World Juniors next year. He's 19, assuming that he maintains this level and ends up uh, in the SHL or the offense and uh, pro league next year and, and produces. Um, he's, he's one of these guys that uh, he's good at picking up loose pucks and cutting off passing lanes. He's one of those guys that players are always talking about keeping your feet moving. He's one of those guys that's always on the move. He's, he's got a great shot. I mean, he's, he's got a really good accurate shot. And um, he, he was called up uh, to, to, to the SHL, which is the top Swedish league. And, um, he played very well in his first two games. He was actually fluttered in the second game as a top six forward again in the third game. And uh, on his first shift of the uh, third game, he uh, suffered a concussion. So he was out for a while, and he, again, he had to come back from that injury. And uh, they put him back in the uh, the Super Elite Junior League. And he, after a slow start, he was coming back from the concussion. He started uh, firing up the uh, points again. I think right now he's sitting at uh, 12 goals, 14 assists, 26 points in 17 games. And that's with a concussion in the middle and a call-up. I also noticed that he was loaned out uh, yeah. and noticed it today to, to more of the offensive league. And like, to be honest, I didn't even know his team did that. Too. Yeah. No, I didn't either. He played two games there. So he's, he's bounced between three teams, and you're dead on with his points 12 goals and 14 assists in 17 games. Yeah. He's also a plus 13. So what you're looking at there, you're looking again at, you're looking at Super League, which is like uh, junior hockey in Canada. You're looking at the FHL, which is sort of like taking the top 16 NHL playoff teams and putting them in their own league. And the offense is like taking the 15 NHL teams that didn't make it and putting them in their own league, compete amongst themselves. So they probably placed them more, I think, and he's too good for Super League. He's not quite ready for the SHL. 
and maybe the offense, which is a, a, a slight level below, just because uh, uh, the teams that uh, that don't make, haven't uh, made the playoffs or at least haven't been in the FHL for a while, compete to try and get back into the FHL, the old soccer system where you get sent down and, and your team goes up, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I guess the Canucks would have disappeared for many years right now. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding, no kidding. Yeah, he's a guy that I, I think uh, it's kind of how I felt about Rathbone a few years ago. Is when the Canucks drafted him, I thought this guy could be a real sleeper. I really liked that pick, and I think Kosmar could be that guy from this last draft that really jumps out at us. And one thing about Kosmar too, I think I wrote about this a little bit. Um, the Canucks in the entire history have basically had one player that's been a last round pick, and that was Yannick Hansen. Mm-hmm. He was picked in the last year of the nine round NHL draft, and. Um, the Ducks have basically struck out in the last round, the seventh round, or the ninth round, whatever it was, the last player picked. And Kostmar was the third last player picked in that draft. And, of course, uh, now he's actually, had, uh, even since I wrote that article, uh, Aiden McDonough, who's, who's playing with uh, Todd Madden Northeastern, is uh, another guy who's come out of nowhere where he's got a seventh-round pick. So the Ducks actually have two seventh-round picks. They sure look like they're potential NHL players. Now, you, of course, not everybody makes the NHL. And, yeah, it's nice to see the Canucks actually seem to kind of uh, hit on some of these swings they've been taking in late rounds recently. Yeah. Right on, Rob. We're going to have to let you go. Thanks a lot for joining us uh, again. We really appreciate all your insight and it makes us feel good as Canucks fans having this, this prospect system that we have right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrific system. I think that things are only going to get better. I'm hoping we make the playoffs this year because it would be good for the uh, young players on our team to get some of that experience. And there's enough bets there where they could actually do some damage. It's, it's hard to get in, but uh, once you get in, nothing, nothing, there's no reason you can't keep going. But uh, I think this team will be, once they make the playoffs, I think they'll be making it for a long time. And have a great holiday season. And... You too, buddy. Merry Christmas. Yeah, happy holidays, Rob. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Joining us, our second guest this week, we have Daniel G. You can follow him online on Twitter at Daniel G. Scouting. Ton of great video content. Really like what you're doing, Daniel, and thanks for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no problem, man. And uh, Daniel, uh, let's just jump into it. And uh, we're doing our World Junior Primer here, and uh, you're one of the guys we definitely wanted on to talk uh, prospects and probably the most intriguing or you know, prospect that Canucks fans are most excited to watch at the World Juniors is Pod Colson. Uh, I know you've been following the majority of his games this year, and uh, yeah, what do you expect from Pod Colson at the World Junior Tournament this year? Yeah, I, I've watched the majority of his games, done videos on most of his games, and I really think uh, he's in he's in line for a really big tournament. Uh, he as a as like an undrafted player, he was playing games like as a 16, 17-year-old uh, last year, and which is really rare for the Russian team. And um, just seeing from the prelim games, like the tune-up games in the past couple of days, he's, he's finding a really great chemistry with uh, with Marshenko and Morozov, uh, two drafted prospects. And I think he's going to have a really, really good tournament. This Russian team is pretty loaded, and I know that they've got a whole bunch of guys that can score. And... It looks like Pod Colson is certainly in their top six, if not their top nine on the team. And from the season he's had, do you kind of see him getting unleashed here? And, and he's, you know, he's had games playing in, in the KHL where he's had less than a minute of ice time. And he's in a, now in a situation where this guy could get a ton of ice time. 
you really see him kind of having that chance to explode this tournament finally and see get some goals and and just a lot of the stuff that Canucks fans have been clamoring for. Yeah, I think like the story about Pod Colden this year and somewhat last year is that um, he's just he's not played a lot of games and it's really changed coming into this year and he's been up and down between the KHL and the BHL. KHL he he plays like anywhere between one to ten minutes, um, really marginal role as like an extra forward. And then in the VHL, which is which is the Russian Supreme League, it's kind of like the AHL. He plays around thirteen to. 18 minutes some nights, depending on power play time. Um, so, like his production in the VHL has been pretty has been pretty good for a player who's 18. Like that league's a men's league right now, and like uh, the average age of a, of a player in that league is like 22 to 23 years old. And like historically, uh, players don't players of his like draft caliber and draft status either play in the junior league, which is called the MHL. Well, they play in the KHL, and, like, the MHL is really a true junior league. It has, like, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds in it. Um, but I, I really think in the World Juniors this year, he will be able to produce and really be unleashed. I think one of the issues with him is that he was a little too unleashed in some games he played, which can cause mistakes and everything. But I think as the season has gone along, he's been – developing a better understanding on how to use his tool set more effectively. I think he, he, he instead of blazing into the zone and maybe losing the puck, uh, he's he's working it in, he's crashing the net and then making a nice pass off. He's, he's going along the, the sideboards and maybe spinning off into a pass. Uh, so I really think it's going to be a big tournament for him. I think he's going to be used quite a bit. And I think the Russian team, it isn't really getting a lot of talk right now, but uh, I think it's going to be very, very deadly. Uh, do you think if Pod Colson doesn't have a great tournament, is that a cause for concern for Canucks fans? Or I know right now a lot of Canucks fans are looking at his point production or the lack thereof in the KHL and the VHL at the moment, and people are obviously doubting the pick, you know, and thinking, oh, well, look at what Caulfield's doing in the NCAA. Is there a cause for concern if, if for whatever reason, Pod Colson isn't able to produce in this World Junior Tournament that Canucks fans, you know, might be a little bit apprehensive about this pick. That uh, obviously there will be a reaction if he doesn't produce in the tournament, but I don't think it's really any cause for concern. I I really like the tool set Pod Colson has. He uh, he works hard every shift, and I I think uh, he'll be successful no matter what. Um, but yeah, I think like overall he will he will have a good tournament. I think he'll play well. If production isn't there, then uh, that'll suck, but overall, <laughs> I think he'll play well regardless of point production. Is there an NHL comparable player that Pod Colson reminds you of? I, from what I've watched of him, he's kind of got a unique style. He can skate. He's a bit of a battering ram. He has a lower kind of hunch about him. He does have a shot, which he's had a lot of bad puck luck this year, too. But is there anyone that he kind of reminds you of? Yeah, he's a tough one. Like, um, you, you can kind of see him as, like, um, a winger version of, like, Horvat, I guess. Like, back when Horvat was doing a lot of his, like, uh, individual efforts, you know, in his, like, first couple seasons, that type of thing. Um, but, like, as for, like, the work ethic and everything, like, I think that's a pretty good comparable, and it's close to home, in a sense. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that he's going to be, like, a Travis Green certified player, just because he 
he tries so hard and he you know he, he does the right things on defense he comes back he he makes good defensive plays so yeah I, I think I think I think it's like Horvat or Miller type player like that's that's probably really close to what you'll see yeah, I definitely agree that even if he doesn't produce at the World Juniors, I mean, he passes the eye test. You watch, I, I've seen very limited action of him this year, and I've, obviously you've seen 90-plus percent of the games he's played. He passes the eye test. You know, he's he's making great plays. He's, you know, he, his analytics are probably, you know, through the roof. I haven't actually done a deep dive on them, but he's a guy that's constantly driving the play for the positive. Yeah, he like, um, he's so good at entering the offensive zone with speed. I think his passing is really, really underrated. And like it's one of the things I see a lot of people talk about as being maybe not a strength of his. But I like he passes on the backhand just as good as his forehand. Like, and these are like long passes right across the rink. Like it's it's pretty wild to watch. Um, uh, I wanted to jump over to our other big boy in the tournament, another guy that you've put a lot of great content on is Mr. Lacrosse, Niels Hoglander, who then got upstaged by that jerk Svechnikov later in the day when he did his. But this is a guy who just, just man, everything I've seen of him, just he has just some sick moves, some sick creativity, and I'm longing for him to one day be a winger with, with Pedersen. What do you think of him? Uh, I know Sweden as well. they got a ton of offensive talent. What do you expect out of the Swedes and out of Hoglander this tournament? The Swedes are kind of in a weird situation. They really don't have a strong um, center position this this season. So like, it's like it's it's going to be tough for them in a sense. I think Holglander is really going to be um, like a premier player for them this tournament, just because he's going to be. I, I believe he's going to be on the first line. He's going to be one of their top offensive threats. Uh, I think I think overall the Swedes will struggle because of that center position, but uh, I think Holglander will be good in the tournament. What do you think long term uh, with joining the Canucks? Do you think we could see him in next season or the season after? And is the dream spot for him to play on a line with Petey? I think like, the way that Holglander plays, like his he he, he invites physicality. Like just the right, like he even got suspended for a for a reverse check this year. But like he's he's really good along the boards. He's he's he plays super fast. He might not be the fastest player, but he's just uh, he's just lightning speed with the puck. Um, his stick handling is just insane, and his 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 edges are really good too. He can quickly turn and pivot away from players. I think he was like I I don't know how much of it was really released from training camp about how much they liked. Hoaglander, but uh, I believe he was like there was talk of signing him and trying him out for a couple games. I think that uh, he could be here sooner than later in terms of playing on the Canucks and maybe making a, making an impact. But uh, I'm really high on Nils Hoaglander. I I thought it was a steal getting him at 40 this year. Um, yeah, and overall, I think uh, I think he'll be a successful NHL just because of how fast. Yeah, you should have seen me on day two of the draft. All I was talking about was we got to get Niels Hoglander. He was still sitting there, and every pick just just holding my breath. But uh, I was I was also extremely ecstatic to get that guy when we did. I, he should have been a first rounder, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I wanted yeah, to. He was a first rounder in my eyes. Yeah, I I totally agree. I wanted to talk about two of the other really highly touted kids on the Swedish team in next year's draft, though briefly. Uh, Lucas Raymond and Alexander Holtz. 
These guys are there's some people have them going top five in the draft next year. What do you think of these guys, and and how much creativity do they bring to this team? I think that they're going to have a solid role on the team as seventeen year olds and like underagers. Um, as for how their seasons have gone, like I think Lucas Raymond has really um, struggled with like a lack of ice time and opportunity in that NHL. Um, just just uh, getting like something like eight minutes a game type thing, even less. And uh, but like I think. I think the combo of Raymond and Holtz will be pretty good. Like they use them in uh, there's this under twenty tournament in Helsinki that I, that Hoglander was also a part of, and uh, they they combined for a lot of nice plays and they scored a couple goals in that tournament. And I, I think together and and just their impact on Team Sweden it'll be it'll be solid and it'll be a good chance to see the players before the draft. I definitely think that they're that they're in that top top 10 range like I think uh like Raymond uh he's a really powerful winger and uh that's something that I I, I kind of read I read a, I read scouts talking about it and then I saw was he likes to really like bait people with uh with the puck like he'll he'll present it forward and then uh and then pull it away and really trap players and it's just it's really fun to watch uh but yeah like I said he's really struggled with the lack of ice time and opportunity so I haven't had a ton of looks at Lucas Raymond. Um, as for Alexander Holtz, like he really has an elite shot, in my opinion. Um, he he knows where to float into like the defensive zone, great right in the spots where he can really be dangerous. You might not notice him, but all of a sudden he's there with his stick ready, set, and ready to score. Um, much like um like how Craig Button was talking about Brock Besser when he was uh, draft eligible, he just has a stick ready, set, and ready to go. Um, yeah, they're both they're both right-handed shots too, which is interesting. I think out of both of them, like Lucas Raymond is, uh, at the end of the day, like a more well-rounded player in terms of his like passing ability and his, and just his puck skills in general. But I think both players are just, are going to be excellent NHLers. Uh, jumping across the NCAA, two other Canucks prospects that I know you've uh, kept tabs on all year are Tyler Madden and Jack Rathbone. Uh, Madden obviously is an overager this year, so he didn't make, uh, he can't, he's uneligible for the tournament, and Jack Rathbone unfortunately didn't make Team USA. But uh, yeah, what could you tell Canucks fans that, you know, haven't been able to watch uh, them in the NCAA as much as you have about their development this year? Uh, Tyler Madden has taken another step after, like, an outstanding, um, freshman campaign like uh, he has 24 points in 18 games so far he just plays so fast everything he does is fast his stick handling is elite um and he's just so so dangerous on the power play he kind of occupies the left half wall and he just controls all of northeastern's play on the power play and uh, and and uh, he also like he's on it with uh, another connects prospect aiden mcdonough and Aiden McDonough's having a really good year, and a lot of it can be attributed to um, the passing ability of uh, Tyler Madden. Um, he does have some limited board play because he still is kind of slight, but he really is looking like like a first-round pick in a lot of redrafts, and I think it's just a coup that they got him where they did. Um, I, when moving over to like uh, to uh, Madden, I mean not not Madden, no, sorry. Um, Rothbone, uh, he he he's really doing good uh, as Harvard's like main power play quarterback defenseman. 
They had um, New York Rangers rookie Adam Fox occupy that role for the last three years, and Rathbone's taken it right over. And he was he was really drafted for his you know his excellent shots and his really elite skating. Um, but I think like a lot of his defensive game is really underrated. He's really good at uh, poking pucks away with his active stick, and he's really he 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 isn't he doesn't shy away from physical play. He likes to angle guys off into the boards and. He battles really hard uh, down low, so I, I think both are doing excellent. Like Rathbone is playing per game as a defenseman, um, but uh, it is it is worth noting that that Rathbone is 20 years old and um, and uh, he is like a year older uh, for his college year just because he spent that extra year in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, it, it's got to be something to be said about the Canucks NCAA scouting to get these guys, and I believe it's third and fourth rounds, if I'm not mistaken, but to, to get guys like this and have them, as you said, in redrafts, a lot of people have put Tyler Madden into the first round. Do you think the Canucks uh, really kind of targeted the NCAA, or do you think that Madden was maybe a bit of an accidental discovery because of the Adam Gaudet factor? I think I think what you really have to look at is uh, you know, the Canucks uh, head of scouting is Judd Brackett, right? And he was the commissioner of the USHL. And uh, he really knows that area very well. He knows the families. He knows the programs. And and I, and I this goes right back to Brock Besser, who was in the USHL. It's, um, they have a strong understanding of, uh, of what players uh, in those leagues are, uh, who are successful. Like, they have a they have a strong understanding of what qualities really really lead to success in the NCAA and then the NHL and the NHL. Um, I think I think just just having someone that's so high up in the organization with such a strong understanding of that area has really just benefited them greatly. Like um, I think I think Tyler Tyler Madden along with Adam Godet is a player that was kind of discounted due to some due to production and just uh, opportunity in the USHL and their scouts just just uh, did a really good job to uh, to grab them where they did and like I think there's that talk um do you guys know about uh, the player wise who went right before Madden and the controversy when he was picked and when the Canucks passed over him to take Madden yeah Jack uh, wise isn't it yeah it's it's looking like uh, the Canucks made the right choice there wise is not having a great great NCAA career. Has Judd Brackett been the greatest acquisition by the Canucks? I think you could say that. I think it's fair. It's fair to say like his drafting has been just excellent, in my opinion. Well, I think uh, I think in a lot of our opinion, I don't I don't think the Canucks. Well, no, I, I would say they never have had a prospect pool quite like this. There's there's prospects in yeah. the CHL, in the NCAA, the AHL is looking good, and and Europe. It's 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 something that I. I've never seen the Canucks have this sort of success with back-to-back drafts and back-to-back rounds. Yeah, I think like uh, under under Mike Gillis, uh, he, he really um, he wanted to leverage the asset value of the draft picks to make the team better. So there really wasn't you know a whole lot of there was effort in doing the draft, but of course, but uh, and there wasn't a, a major focus when. Those picks are so valuable, and they can be used to bolster the team up. But uh, it's really nice to see the prospect pool grow. Like you, 
you look at like a free a called free agent signing like Logan Rafferty, who's just uh, lighting up the NHL right now, and you look at uh, you look at Cole Lind and John Gadjevich who are playing a lot better in their second year pro, and you have to be feeling good about a Canucks uh, to be a Canucks fan right now, just with what what is coming. I think uh, I think the the defensive pool is a little weak right now. Of course, they could use another elite talent in there, but uh, I think the cupboards are pretty nice. But as everyone knows, you need more and more and more. Uh, because not every one of these guys are going to turn out. Well, even a guy you mentioned earlier that's playing with Tyler Madden is Aiden McDonough, who is was a yeah. sixth or seventh round pick, and he looks like a potential. Depending on how he starts to develop, you know, next year, he could be a potential NHL player. And the Canucks don't have too much success with those late round picks. Yeah, he's a, like, and obviously, like a late late round picks are a crapshoot, but like he. He's a he's a little older older player, but again another USHL player who um, was passed over in a draft or two, and uh, and they knew it's they're going he's going to a good program in Northeastern, right? Uh, and uh, and he's he was he started a little lower in the lineup, but now he's playing on a line with Madden, and uh, he's a really good trigger man on the power play. Like he occupies the right hand side of the net and. He has 15 points in 15 games as a freshman, which is really, really good. Yeah, he's looking really good. And, uh, you know, kind of wrapping up here, Daniel, uh, we want to kind of talk about Team Canada. I know our boy Jet Wu didn't make the team. Um, but overall, Team Canada, you know, who are some of the big guns or draft-eligible players for 2020 that Canucks fans should be keeping an eye on? Uh, well, there's, there's uh, the obvious... Uh, Lafreniere, uh, who's, who's most likely going to go one or two. There's also Quinton Byfield, who I've watched more. And, uh, Quinton, the way I can describe Quinton Byfield is he's like he's he's a, he's one of those quintessential big centermen that has like just skill for days. But he's I would I would equate him to like like imagine um, a player with Johnny Goudreau skills, uh, but in a six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pound frame. Uh, that's how he plays. He's he's a good penalty killer. He's just dangerous in every opportunity. Like uh, he's he, he's definitely someone to watch. Um, watch as the games go forward. I hope he has a big role on the team. He should have a big role. He's one of the best players in the CHL. Um, another player that uh, might not have a lot of opportunity on the team is Jamie Drysdale. He's the best defenseman available in my opinion for this draft. Um, the hallmarks of his game is his just his ability to exit the puck out of the defensive zone in every way possible. Uh, he can skate the puck out. He can pass it out. Um, he'd be he'd be a really nice addition to any prospect pool, and I think uh, I think uh, teams will be very excited to draft him. And as you guys probably know, the the top defensemen usually get picked earlier than what a lot of people think, just because of the need. He's also a right hand shot, I believe. So. Excellent stuff, man. Daniel, we're going to have to wrap this up here and let you go. We really appreciate you joining us. And again, we really appreciate all the content you put out. I love the way you do your videos and make it really easy for people like myself who don't watch a lot of the games overseas to keep track of where our players are on the ice. I love that. Yeah, thanks for the kind words. Um, I, I, I realize that like you know, when you watch prospect videos, it's kind of hard. Unless you watch a lot of it to know what the player looks like, like obviously when you're watching like the Canucks or any any other NHL team, you can look at Evgeny Malkin and you can say, okay, that's Evgeny Malkin. 
just by the way he moves around the ice. Uh, that's Bo Horvath, that's Patterson. And I don't think that's totally obvious to a lot of people. So, um, and, and just the just the nature of cutting plays together, it's easy to just catch your eye to circle or something. But, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate being able to talk about prospects is something I love to do. Oh, no, definitely, man. We'll definitely have to get you back. Yeah, thanks again, Daniel. We really appreciate it. And like Pete said, we'd love to get you back on for a draft primer uh, if you're up for it. And for all the listeners out there, give Daniel a follow on Twitter. You can follow him at Daniel G Scouting. Uh, the video content he's putting out, like Pete just said, is unbelievable. The guy is very thorough. And yeah, man, really, Pete and I really appreciate you coming on and joining us to talk hockey. Yeah, anytime, guys, anytime. Right on. Thanks, buddy, and take care. And enjoy the holidays. Yeah, take care, guys. Yeah, Merry Christmas, guys. You too. Bye. It's Freeport time, and tis the season to have a nice whiskey, or in this case, it looks like you brought a bourbon, eh? Yeah, so this is a small batch bourbon from Wheeling, Illinois. It's called Opiden Smoke and Sea. So all bourbon has to be finished in French oak or in oak casks unused oak cask but they actually finished this in isla scotch barrels huh. so it's got a little bit of a, a little bit of a peatness to it i've got a little bit of a peatness to it too you're nerding out over there doug with that so let's see here i'm, I'm excited to to have something for the holidays yeah and this is a this is a batch number one of this as well thank you we just finished pouring this and then let's uh Jump into our cheers, Pete. Cheers, cheers. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Festivus for the rest of us. Um, all right. Well, I'm just gonna jump right into it because kind of been keeping all you guys uh, updated on our uh, Pete and I's fantasy league here, and uh, yeah, it looks like I have officially won the championship. Uh, Pete needs 70 plus points from uh, his kicker, Aaron Jones, and. Uh, I believe Boone or Bone. Mike Boone. My team laid eggs this week. It's actually my worst week of the season. They picked the right time to do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm officially the champion, uh, two-time champion in our league. And, uh, yeah, won't be talking fantasy football anymore for all you haters out there. Praise the Lord. Um, congratulations, though. That was uh, you, you did about 20 times more homework than I did, and uh, so you, you probably deserved it. Who says homework doesn't pay off? <laughs> um, I just wanted to also stick with football. Talk about the Seattle Seahawks running backs. I'm a Seahawks fan. Everybody's out. It looks like they got Robert Turbin coming back. It looks like they may have beast mode. For the love of God, that would be an awesome storyline. Bringing back beast mode week 17 against the Niners. I'd love to see that. Let's make it happen. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to episode 19 of the Canucks Speakeasy podcast. Thanks to our two fantastic guests this week. We had Canucks Abby Fan 2. That's Rob from Nuck's Misconduct. You can follow him at Twitter, at Fan2Abby. And joining us for the first time on the show, Daniel G from at Daniel G Scouting on Twitter. Both these guys put out a ton of fantastic content. We're really lucky to have them join us for the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks again, Rob and Daniel, for uh, joining us, uh, especially around the holiday season. I know everybody's probably busy at the moment. And, yeah, give us a follow online. You can follow the 
Speakeasy Podcast on Twitter at CanucksSpeak. Give me a follow at Doug Venn. That's V-E-N-N. I'm at Pete underscore Gas. And we also have the Spotify account. You can follow the Canucks Speakeasy outro track playlist. Got all the funky jams, including this one. Nice and festive for you this time. And Doug, I think that about wraps up episode 19. Shall we uh, go watch this meaningless Monday nighter and then this important Canucks game? Let's do it. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everyone, and enjoy the world. I leave the back door open, so if anybody a mouse, and with no sense I'll be in trouble if they know Jimmy in the house.